0: Returning to the program today is James Sykes. James is the Chief Executive Officer and Director of Baseload Energy. Baseload is focused on exploration and discovery on its projects in Southeast Athabasca Basin. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol FIND, and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol B S E N F. Jim, good to talk. How are you? Doing awesome. Yourself? We're hanging in there. A little bit of blood. Luckily, it's not coming from our side, so that's a good thing. But certainly, the markets are interesting here. What's happened in uranium recently is interesting, and in my opinion, a very good thing. But I'd like to get your thoughts out of the gate here on the market. Um, some investors are concerned, and others very pleased to see the pain. But how is morale on your side, and what are your thoughts on this market? The market has to continue up. I've, you know, I've never really seen
1: it faltering away, even when we're back in the doldrums a few years ago, there was, it was always the question of when, not if, and we, we've seen the market moving. There, there's too much going on in the world today to to not uh, adopt nuclear energy or or try to find and develop more uranium. It's a necessity for, for humanity moving forward. So you can't really take that out of the equation and, and think that it's you know that it's just going to peter off and and die out again. This is it's it it is a necessity just as much as we need air to breathe and water to drink and food to eat. We need energy and nuclear energy is the best. Whatever happens in the the short term uh with with things going on and you know the, the war in Russia and Ukraine uh such uh, such terrible things happen but we still have that demand. So long term I I continue to see the you know the Iranian market being there and being sustainable and it's uh definitely
0: definitely for the long term investors I do believe. The broad market might cut us down in the interim but uh that would be a temporary uh situation in my view on this but Things are looking good. Uh, Great to see uh, New Scale Power get uh, SMR ticker listed. Finally, good to see them get out of the gate here. We've been a long time supporter before everybody on social media started talking about it in the last uh, six months, but been supporting that company going back as far as 2017 on our side. So, yeah, great to see that. Great to see the progress. Uh, Another bumpy road here. But I think anybody who's been in this sector for a while understand that this is a bumpy road. Uh, irrespective of how good things will be in, in the end. The broad market just throws another wrench in the spokes, if you will, for a period of time. And we'll continue to get through this as we have in this really a series of higher lows and higher highs as we're moving on here over the years. So I think you keep the big picture in perspective here. The fundamentals haven't changed. Matter of fact, almost nothing has really occurred, even while we've seen substantial price increases with respect to the spot price of uranium and the fuel cycle. You know what, even at this uranium price nobody seems too interested in doing much of anything. Not much has happened on the fundamental changes that would concern myself. Let's move on here. Why don't we talk baseload? Maybe before some of the standard questions that I was going to ask, uh, how about you give us an update on news coming out of the Hook project, specifically the Accio Zone? What's the latest
1: We just put out news today that we intersected mineralization as shallow as 38.5 meters from surface. This is this is a game changer for us. This is exactly what we've been looking for. This is Athabasca 2.0 strategy that we're looking for near surface mineralization. We hit 6.25 meters at close to a thousand counts per second. Obviously we don't have we don't have assays, but you can go back and look at some of the Some of the drill holes where we do have assays and synth comparisons, and you can see that this is going to be pretty interesting for sure. It's you know, this just opens up everything. We, yeah, there wasn't any sandstone, we went right through the overburden, which is all waste rock to to think about. And then, as soon as you're at that overburden contact, boom, mineralization is just sitting right there. So, it it provides a lot more prospectivity for the rest of the project moving forward Uh, as we. We've been saying in, in a lot of our news releases moving forward that as we continue to the southeast, we have been seeing shallower and shallower intersections uh, of mineralization in that direction. This one was, it, to be very honest, it was a surprise. None of us expected it there, but it was definitely to the west of where we've been drilling, uh, trying trying some some new drilling ideas, and you know, I, I think this is definitely eye opening for us and. One of the things that I'll be talking about in the future though is, is comparing what we have here, what we've been seeing at Accio with other reputable and and known open pits or underground deposits that were in production in the past. Uh, j- districts like Uranium City, Clough Lake, Rabbit Lake and the, and the Collins Bay deposits. Even going back to Elliott Lake in Ontario and Bancroft those are jurisdictions where they were mining 0.1% or less U308 in underground scenarios, in, sometimes in, in really good markets between the 70s and 80s when uranium price was was skyrocketing, adjusted for inflation. But uh, even then, they were still producing in some pretty terrible markets. So we see that this being a potential opportunity for Accio to be a, a, a developed situation. We're 10,000 meters into a drill program. We've got another 10,000 meters planned for at least. We're fully funded for a total of 40,000 meters. It uh, just, just depends on the, the drill production rate and being able to, to really fulfill that. I don't think we will see 40,000 this year. Uh, we'll, we'd will we like to see the 20,000 min, which I think will, I, I can almost guarantee that we will hit that and, and then some. But the goal for that is to basically flesh out at least a kilometer of of strike length based on the geophysical anomalies that we see. And then those anomalies continue even further to the southeast. So we've got a lot of
0: room to grow this and we've got the budget, we've got the meters, we've got the time. Jim, that sounds good. So refresh the audience here. What would be the next steps with this near surface uh, intersection? What is the plan next to chase this up and what will be the focus based on the results that you guys have just come up with?
1: we're going to poke a few holes in the area it's too exciting not to do that so we'll we'll see how it pans out we do have some current ideas as to what could be the controls on it and that's what we'll be testing so it but uh, with the two drills on site so we'll, we'll have one doing that for a little bit and we'll keep the other one progressing to the southeast as that is the direction that we need to go we are con- we're always hopeful to find that unconformity situation And just simply the reason is because, yes, we we would expect mineralization to be uh, shallower to surface. Uh, Not necessarily from what we just hit, but based on what we hit previously, unconformity mineralization should be pretty shallow uh, within 100 meters from surface, which is still within that open pit range. But the the idea of unconformity mineralization is that it's typically of higher grade. And more concentrated, so that has always been one of our objectives, and we continue to move forward. But now with this intersection, you don't need unconformity mineralization; you can have basement-hosted mineralization the entire way, uh, just so long as it's open pitable depths, really. So anywhere from a surface down to 200 meters or, or less, like we're seeing. Our our goal is to find as much between that zero to 100 vertical depth range. That's Sounds meters, great. sorry, not
0: feet. It's good to have uh, these conventional deposits in terms of just open pitable. In my opinion, a nice thing to have continued to delineate what you have near surface here. Looking forward to at least following this and seeing how this goes. But certainly so far the market seems to like what you guys are up to here.
1: And and don't quote me on this, but I, I think one of the other the other benefits of this, uh, I, again, I, I'm trying to find out more about this. But I was always under the impression that MacArthur ore was too high grade for the Key Lake mill to handle. And that they had to downblend it. And I don't know if they if they ever downblended with tails from Key Lake or if it was just waste rock from 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 Macarthur River itself or from Key Lake. But if if that is a true scenario that Macarthur River ore has to be downblended, and Chemico is coming back online with with Macarthur River, as they've suggested, then their ore will need to be downblended uh, further. So one of these possibilities that we've been pitching around lately, especially after this discovery, was that uh, if, if we define an open pitable resource, yeah, operating costs typically are very low for that. You've got the mill already built there, so there's no issues with that, and the, the mill's got permits from CNSC for, uh, I think they're up for renewal, but I don't see why they wouldn't get them. So why not have a win-win situation where you'd use the lower grades that we're seeing at Accio to down blend with the higher grades at at uh, macarthur river so you're down blending ore with ore, but you're also upgrading the accio ore so we'll, we'll see just ideas to spitball out there
0: yeah interesting how about shadow and catharsis any updates there what are the plans with those or will the focus uh, come back to those potentially later
1: that's something else we've been humming and hawing, hawing about. Uh, Shadow, we've had some very interesting developments recently with the with the local community up there. So uh, they've just had a new election; the chief got reelected. They've got some new council, but they have reached out to us and have alluded to being open to uh, really reopen the idea of exploration in the, in the area again. So that is definitely exciting to to get back into. Hopefully, we can have. More discussions with the community in the months to come, and, and start resolving that, and look for look to continue exploration on there next year. As far as catharsis goes, we were planning a drill program. We're, we're planning a lot of airborne geophysics and a a, a ground follow up survey just for some of the high grade uranium and even rare earths that we're seeing in, on the project. But as far as the drill program goes, again with with this recent intersection at Acio Hole Thirty Eight that's changed a lot of scope for us. So we have decided to kind of backpedal on Catharsis, leave it on the back burner. If there's anything there, it's not going anywhere. Accio is doing wonders for us, for the company. It, it's shaping up to be an exciting discovery. So we really want to put our full foot forward into that. So unfortunately, Catharsis will be deferred uh, as far as the drilling goes. The geophysical surveys, will they are ongoing. They're being flown this month. Uh, continuing on into June, but then we still want to get on the ground and just do some reconnaissance exploration because some of those targets look very exciting. Uh, I'm also under the impression that some of those high grade deposits or some of those high grade uh, showings that they see at surface, which were noted in calc silicate rocks, uh, I do believe that they could actually line up with the same lithology that we're seeing at Accio. So, a lot of things to be taken into consideration with that, but we, we could do with more time to to fully plan and implement catharsis. And so, shadows are rocking and rolling. Let's keep let's keep that song going.
0: How about uh, capital structure? How about you update us there in terms of shares outstanding at this point, the cash on hand, major shareholders, and then also with what is happening, when do you expect the next financing to take place?
1: We started the year with 20 million in the bank, so we did a few big raises, but we also had about three, three and a half million in warrants uh, subscribed uh, or cashed in. So that was very nice. Uh, we're down to about 16 million as of the end of April. So we have our, our burn rate is quite high, to be expected with two drills operational, and we have completed about 10,000 meters of drilling. So roughly that 400 to 500 dollars per meter, all in costs to be expected. Gas prices and diesel prices have not helped at all, though, unfortunately. And yeah, so we're still fully funded, 16 million in the bank, and we can see it through to the rest of the year. Do we have to go back and finance this year? Probably not. We've got about 1.2 left in flow-through commitments that we have to spend, and that's basically already done. So the rest will all be hard dollars, and we get, we can hold on to those with no... Uh, No necessity to to expend those by the end of the year. So it's it's not a big rush to get back to the market We'd like to see the share price increase by that point by the time we do go back to the market. So uh, Hopefully with all the results, hopefully after 20,000 to 30,000 meters of drilling we can make that happen Right now we've got about 85 million shares outstanding uh, fully diluted we're closer to 112, so we've got about uh, eight, eight and a half million options outstanding, and then another 19 million warrants outstanding as well. an average strike price of those warrants, I do believe, is around that 60, 60 to 70 cents.
0: Anything you want to mention on the major shareholders at this point?
1: Sorry, yeah. To be honest, there are no, there are no real major shareholders. Uh, we don't have one we don't have one institution that really does trump all the others more recently uh, we were we were purchased by the north shore global uranium etf which was absolutely phenomenal i guess uh, you know they they did take a very large position in find uh, absolutely phenomenal to be recognized as a company that would fit that portfolio so if they're you know, if there was one major shareholder that trumped everybody, I think it might be them. But we do have, we've got a lot of uh, other institutions within us, uh, sprouts come into every placement and they've got a large portion, uh, QC Copper and Gold, who were basically the the founders of the company, really got us going. They still have a large position, about 17, about 14% of the, of the outstanding shares are controlled by QC Copper and Gold, QCCU on the TSXV.
0: Yeah, you guys are in a good position here. And if you guys are able to do a little bit more with uh, some of the work out there at Accio, uh, maybe the share price gets up nicely to where you guys could walk away some more money here as we get into the second half of this year. You know, you mentioned it earlier, Jim, in some of your comments, but talk broadly about uh, Athabasca in terms of the crowded expiration side of things, but also the big three junior developers out there. I mean, it's a great opportunity in this area for speculation and generally riding the rising price environment. Obviously, the real pop comes with discovery work. But outside of the exploration investing, when do you think one of the junior developers could actually get into production?
1: It's a very good question. It's a, <laughs> it's a tough one for me to really answer because there, there's a lot of people trying different things. Uh, Denison, with their ISR approach, uh, who really knows how when they can when they can pull that off? Um, you know, next gen looks to be making some very big strides with Arrow. Uh, again, when it's really a question of what else do they have to get by on as far as permitting and uh, mill? What are they going to do for a mill? There's still a lot of questions that need to be asked there. So we will, it's a, really a waiting game and I can't really comment too much on what the other companies are doing. I've been trying to maintain my focus on, on Baseload and Accio and trying to, you know, not to, be, not to be rude to the other companies but trying to up them and show that, you know, what we have going on at Accio is the one that will make it to the, to the production side first. Makes sense. It's, you know, if we've got open pit material uh, with a mill right by, infrastructure building infrastructure in the area is not too difficult at all there's a lot of there's a lot of easy pathways for accio to just really propel itself our drilling is shallow where we're not we're not drilling down a kilometer or, or 500 meters or anything like that most of our drill holes are between 250 to 300 meters depth so we're again with it with twenty thousand meters, we'll define a strike length of of one kilometer at fifty meter spacing, which is pretty tight you know, if we if we had to go back and define some more uh, then we then we just start infilling with twenty five meter spacing all towards the goals of a forty three one one once we're at that stage, then really you know, if things look great then you're at the, you're at the next steps p e a and again we're you'd just be looking at an open pit scenario so we, yeah, we, we hope that we can we can be the guys who can have the next deposit that goes forward in the Athabasca. Uh, we're up against yeah you know, we're up against people who have got a big lead on us with you know with the likes of Denison and and uh, nextgen, but also Orano working on their Sabre technology, uh, which puts you look at the, the tried tested and true of the Athabasca, what's gone from discovery into development in, in the history has been open pits. It's taken them from discovery to product, production anywhere from six to twelve years. Some of these companies are already hitting those hitting those years, and they're not much further than just basically having a discovery. So this is this was Athabasca 2.0. This was our strategy, getting into the space. This was our objective from day one. This is what we this is what we saw. This is what we
0: visualized, and we're hitting it. It's good comments, you know, we're going to be able to follow this along and really see what it takes. We know what everybody's said and we've seen the timelines. There's enough evidence and presentation materials and documents to suggest the timelines, but it'll be interesting to see how close they come to those timelines and, you know, obviously how things go in this market, of course, going forward there. But I'll point something else out about open pits in the
1: Athabasca. Uranium City, when they were mining there, they had some open pits, but a lot of it was underground. Their average grade was about 0.2%. And that was 60 million pounds over you know, X amount of deposits. There was what, I think 14 different deposits that they mined there for 60 million pounds. 0.2%. What did they have to do though? They had to build a mill. Clough Lake. Uh, the the first mines that really went into production there were the open pits. They had about 10 million pounds of open pit material at 0.3%. What did they have to do there? They needed to build a mill, Rabbit Lake, 40 million pounds. I think the average grade there was about 0. 0.9, so it was, it was good. And then they had they had all the Collins Bay, Rabbit Lake is a Rabbit Lake and Key Lake are nice lucrative scenarios. The like Macarthur River would never come forward without the Key Lake mill already being there, and that's basically the same with Eagle Point and and even those Collins Bay deposits. They all needed the mills. The mills are already established. There's a mill at McLean Lake, there's a mill at Key Lake, there's a mill at Rabbit Lake. So Accio does not need the mill, which is why we think that having lower grade
0: is not a terrible situation. Interesting points here, and we'll see what uh, what becomes of it here as we move through the cycle and who can stick to timelines and who can't, etc. So, Well, Jim, that was pretty much all I had here. Any comments before I sign off with uh, some final questions before we wrap up?
1: I guess one final comment, alluding to what you talked about earlier about the SMRs. Uh, yeah, we might not be seeing the deployment here in, in the North American side of things or in the, the Western world, but the East is certainly moving forward with them. Russia continues to expand the technology as does China, especially with uh, some of the, the Chinese reactors coming online, being SMRs. These are the game changers we've been waiting for, that the, the nuclear market has been waiting for, and we're we're starting to see it coming to fruition now. And it will only be a matter of time before this technology really starts to take off and deployment becomes more accessible across the globe. So once uh, once companies like like NewScale and others really start to ramp things up and get through the, the permitting process on their ends of things, you know, we can see this industry take off again
0: i'm excited to see how it goes here and who becomes the the leader in the west i think obviously new scale has that uh, leg up on most folks in the west but us in rc that's only one area is one jurisdiction and us of course has been terribly behind with respect to leadership we'll see what happens next back to baseload for potential investors who are listening in market cap of the company stands at about 76 million canadian what would you say to them about considering the company at this stage
1: I think we're undervalued at this point in time, to be honest, uh yeah, it's a discovery and it's hard to put part of hard really hard to put valuation on on a discovery, especially without a resource, but uh, I do see this thing being quite large quite quite robust uh we'll definitely have some some pounds in the ground for sure, and with the with the idea that this could be something that goes into production really differentiates us from from the rest of the pack I guess is that you know, a lot of people have discoveries a lot of people have uh, deposits but are they going to move forward and in a timely fashion and I think that is the biggest differentiator that we have going forward so you know I, I think we will hit some of our bigger targets mineralization or I guess radioactivity mineralization is increasing with each step we make to the southeast so uh, it, it's it's a weird way to think about grades but yeah it's we do see radioactivity being equivalent to grades so i'll basically say the grades are getting better as we go to the southeast we don't have assay results yet back so you know it's not confirmed but everything just looks great and i i do honestly hope, believe that that baseload will be the standout company of the year and the best way for investors to reach out to the company they can email me directly, uh, jsykes, Sykes, J S Y K E S at orgroup.ca, O-R-E-G-R-O-U-P.ca. You can also email the the company's website, info at baseload.com. Uh, you can go to our website, check out everything on there. You can follow us on Twitter, on LinkedIn. We've also got a YouTube channel, and yeah, people can can get in touch with us. I like to I like to hear from investors. I always answer the emails and try to be as honest as possible.
0: Jim, always a pleasure to chat. Good luck with the continued success of Baseload. Thanks, Andrew. Always a pleasure.